You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I'm Dave Cover. I want to look at Psalm 22 today. All my Christian life, since the very first time I read Psalm 22, has always amazed me. It's one of those psalms that shows me that my life is definitely inside a bigger story that is already happening, already in play, and I want that story to be my bigger life. And that's what this podcast is all about, and Psalm 22 is one of these psalms that hits the nail right on the head. It's a psalm of David where he is expressing his misery It's a lot different than what we looked at when we looked at Psalm 18, where David was exalting and God delivering him from all his enemies. Psalm 22, probably before that, or maybe after that, but David is feeling the exact opposite. This is a Psalm where he is as down as could be, and so he uses highly figurative language, poetic language, to describe how he feels, describe his conditions. And what is amazing is that the figurative language he uses, the poetic language he uses, actually becomes literal at the crucifixion of Jesus. We talked in the last episode about how David is a a prefigure of Christ, that God had promised David in 2 Samuel 7 that his descendant would be the everlasting throne that would rule forever over the people of God and his, you know, his throne would never end. And so always the son of David is referring to the Messiah, the Christ. And so when Jesus lived and people who believed he was the Christ, the Messiah, they would refer to him as the son of David. We see that in the Gospels. We see that in the New Testament. So this is one of those Psalms where David, by the Holy Spirit, is being prophetic as if he is speaking the very words of Christ. Now, he doesn't know it at the time. He's just expressing his anguish. He's expressing his fears and feelings of of being alone and in pain. And he's using illustrative language that becomes quite literal. So let's look at Mark chapter 15 at the crucifixion of Jesus. It says in verse 24, Mark says, And they crucified him and divided his garments among them casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And then we go down to verse 29, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ the king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And then we go down to verse 34. Mark says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why is Jesus praying that? Why does Jesus quote from this psalm, because that is actually the very first verse in Psalm 22. That's the verse that David says in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now that's how David felt 
and David's being honest with God how he feels. Now, as you read the rest of the psalm, David is quite convinced that God has, in fact, not forsaken him, but it's how he feels. And we've talked before about it's okay to God for us to pray how we feel. He can handle it. He knows it. And it helps us to express it. We don't have to pretend with God. We don't have to stuff our feelings down into our bones and our body and bear the pain there. We can we can cast it, all of it, onto God's shoulders, all honesty. And that's what David is doing here. It's a good example for us by the Holy Spirit of what God can handle and what he's inviting us to do. David is praying his feelings, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus picks up that very first verse. And I don't know, I mean, I think in some sense, Jesus was saying that as a genuine prayer, because on the cross, there was a separation between the Father and the Son as the Son took the sins of of the world upon himself. As he took the sins of all his people upon himself, he was bearing the wrath of God. And in that sense, I do think he was experiencing the very wrath of God in that moment. And he's crying out, experiencing that forsakenness. God has turned his back on Jesus as Jesus bore my sin and your sin. So in that sense, it was theologically real, the prayer of Jesus. But I think what Jesus is also doing is he is saying that prayer aloud to point his disciples to Psalm 22. Because Psalm 22 explains the bigger story. If we read Psalm 22, I'm not going to read all of it because it has a lot of verses. But verse 6, David, and this is how David feels. He's like at the lowest point. And he says, and he's, again, very poetic language, verse 6, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Quote, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Then we read verse 14. David says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that word, potsherd. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and from my clothing they cast lots. Now, this is David speaking poetically. It's figuratively expressing how he feels it becomes literal at the cross of Jesus. They divide his garments among them. They cast lots for his clothing. The reason why they did it is because he had this special robe that was seamless. And so they didn't want to, they wanted to cast lots for it. Clearly, they, the people here are encircling him. They're mocking him. Uh, even this phrase here, my heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. David is saying that figuratively, it's quite literally how Jesus died on the cross. When all the things I've read, there was an article in the uh, a medical journal years ago written by someone who described how a person crucified would die, and it would be eventually by cardiac arrest. 
Uh, and it says, my strength is dried up and my tongue sticks to my jaws. Remember, Jesus says, I thirst. I didn't read that verse, but it's right there in those passages as well. And of course, we look at those verses, all who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. And of course, there's the, the big clincher there where he says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Now, this is David unknowingly, I believe, prophesying as the because he is the figure of Christ in the Bible. He is the figure of the Messiah. Jesus is the son of David. David, by the Holy Spirit, is prophesying what would happen a thousand years later at the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, you know, this is obviously an amazing thing. It's 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 showing us that Jesus's death was not some accident unforeseen by God, but rather something that was planned by God, something that had been part of the story that would unfold as the way Jesus would become the Christ. He would break through the other side of death, and on the cross, he would take our sin upon himself. What's interesting about Psalm 22 is that the first part of the psalm is this figurative language that's expressing the anguish of David that becomes literal in the anguish and suffering of Jesus and the death of Jesus on the cross. The second half of the psalm takes a turn, and it becomes this exaltation. And so David switches gears completely in the next verse. In verse 19, he talks about God delivering him, his precious life, saving him, rescuing him. And then verse 23, he says, You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Remember, we are the offspring of Jacob. We are the ones who are Jacob in the Bible because the ultimate offspring of Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The ultimate offspring is Jesus. And the New Testament says those who are in Jesus are also the offspring of Jacob. So this is talking about believers in Christ. Ultimately, all you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him all you offspring of Israel. Now, who's, who's, the, who's the him? Well, it's the Lord, but I think it's also the one who David is prophesying, who's saying these words, they pierce my hands and my feet, they divide my garments among them, they wag their heads, they mock. I think this psalm is pointing us to the one who's ultimately going to bring us into this bigger story. So verse 26 the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. This is what is because of what happened in the first part of the psalm. The second part of the psalm is true. Jesus fulfilled the first part, and so he's fulfilling the second part. Remember, Jesus says he's the bread of heaven that satisfies our hunger. He's the living water that satisfies our thirst. David is saying here in verse 26, the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn 
to the Lord. So what this psalm is doing is kind of amazing. David starts off with the anguish, and he's ending up by saying, all the earth is going to be saved. I mean, all the ends of the earth, people from every language, tribe, nation, tongue, people from all the ends of the earth are going to be saved. And he says, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Now, this is obviously talking about what the Messiah will ultimately be, ultimately do. It's amazing that it's happened. It's amazing that Christianity is the only world religion that is in every culture, nation, tribe, tongue, all across the earth. It's already happened, and it's all going to happen fully. And we read in Revelation, people from every nation, tribe, tongue, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God says to Abraham in, in Genesis, this has always been the bigger story. It's always been the prophecy. It's always been the promise. It's happening. The last verse says, they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. So this is talking about this story, even at the time of David, a people yet unborn are going to be brought into this story. And the last word says that he has done it that he has done it. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Jesus says in Revelation 21, 6, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So here's the thing. The first part of this psalm happened at the crucifixion of Jesus. The second part of this psalm is happening. Just as much as God prophesied a thousand years before the death of Jesus, everything that would happen at the crucifixion of Jesus through the words of David in this psalm, so too the second part of the psalm, the words of David will be fulfilled. It's already happening. He's already done it. It is finished. It's already in play. And this is the bigger story that my life is in and your life is in. And... In an amazing way, this is kind of proof. This was written a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. And even if you're skeptical, even if you're somebody who says, no, this wasn't written by David, this wasn't written a thousand years before Jesus, even if you wanted to bring the most skeptical, unbelieving biblical scholarship, you would at least have to acknowledge it's written two centuries before the crucifixion of Jesus. Because it's in a Greek translation that is pre-Christian that was translated 200 years before Christ. And so we already know at least 200 years this is written in the Psalms. And so even the most skeptical, unbelieving biblical scholar would have to acknowledge this is a prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus. It's just an amazing thing to me. Because I do believe it is a Psalm of David. I do believe it is a thousand years before Jesus. And I do believe that this prophecy came true at the crucifixion of Jesus. And so I do believe the prophecy in the second part of this Psalm will also come true. And it's the bigger story that my life is in. And that we will stand in awe of him as the offspring of Jacob, the offspring of Israel. He has delivered our soul. He has saved us. He has rescued us. And we shall eat and be satisfied. And we shall praise him. And our hearts will live forever. That's the word used in 26. And all the ends of the earth shall turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. And he shall come. And he has done it. 
I don't want to forget this story is the narrative of my life. This story is the narrative, even when I feel in my life, the figurative language of David, where he feels very alone. He feels at times God has forsaken him. He feels that people have turned against him and he is a mocked person among the crowd and he has no friends. And even when I feel like I am lonely and afflicted and even forsaken by God, this is the story my life is in. David had no idea what his words were actually prophesying. And I have no idea what even these prophecy words, the second part of the psalm, really are going to mean for me in this bigger story when Christ comes back and brings resurrection. But this is the story my life is in. Now, as we think about praying this, I don't, you know, probably most of us listening to this, and I know for me right now uh, speaking, I, I don't feel the anguish that David feels. It would be hard for me to recreate this anguish. But there'll be times when I do and there'll be times when you do. Psalm 22 would be a great place to go just to pour out your heart with God. But it is a great place to go to see the heart of God because what we see here is how Jesus felt. If this is a prophecy of the words of Jesus on the cross, the feelings of Jesus on the cross, then it does give us a glimpse into the suffering that Jesus experienced. And Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when Jesus was experiencing this, he was experiencing this for me. And Paul says it therefore shows Jesus's love for him, and it shows Jesus's love for me, and it shows Jesus's love for you. And again, I think this psalm is proof that it's all true, and therefore it's proof of God's love for you. You have to see with the eyes of faith and take God's word as proven true. It's trustworthy. It's true. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and his words are trustworthy and true. And this is how God feels because in his crucifixion, and therefore it's what he's willing to do for you, his love for you, to bring you into his bigger story. And that bigger story is that he is your God and you are his people forever. He will dwell with you. He will wipe every tear from your eye. He wants you to exist in his universe forever and to be forever with him. And you have to believe that. I have to believe that. Regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my feelings, this psalm is showing us the very heart of God to take our sin upon himself so that he could remove the evil from our lives and bring us into his presence with a whole new beginning, a whole new story without sin, without enemies, dwelling with him in a resurrection in every way, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally on a resurrected earth. And so let's pray, remembering the heart of God. Would you just let me lead you? It won't be long. Take a few minutes to make this prayer of David our prayer and let the Holy Spirit work it into our own heart and our relationship with God as we draw near to him, draw near to his heart and let his heart begin to fashion our heart through prayer. Oh God, Yahweh, the I am, 
We see in this psalm that you are not some stoic, emotionless God, but you are emotional. You are filled with the emotion of love, and therefore you allowed yourself to experience the emotion of anguish and suffering, to take our anguish and suffering upon yourself. Jesus felt this. He felt that he is a worm and not a man as he hung on the cross naked, scorned by mankind, despised by the people, mocked as those who walked by, and they wagged their heads, and they mocked him, saying, He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord deliver him. Let him rescue him if he delights in him. And they mocked him as he hung there on the cross, suffering. His hands and his feet had been pierced, and his heart was melting like wax within his breath, and his strength was dried up, and he thirsted, and his tongue stuck to his jaw as he watched them divide his garments among them and cast lots for his clothing. And he was doing that. You were doing that, Lord Jesus, because you love me. You were experiencing this suffering because of the greatness of your love for me, the one who created this universe. The vastness of this universe is a measure, and even infinitely beyond that, of your love for me. I can't imagine. And yet it's your love for me that drove you to experiencing the forsakenness of God as your Father because you were taking upon yourself my sin and the wrath of God for my sin. And so you cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me so that ultimately I don't have to? I don't ever have to ultimately cry out, why have you forsaken me? Because you have taken God's forsakenness of my sin upon yourself. I can experience the love of God. I'm experiencing the acceptance of God, the full acceptance of God because of your death for me. And so it's true in all of this, you did this to make me an offspring of Jacob, an offspring of Israel that will stand in awe of you, that will eat and be satisfied, drink and my thirst quenched in your kingdom forever, that my heart will live and be satisfied forever, that I will stand in the presence of the awe and the beauty and the glory and the goodness and the transcendence of God forever. Not just me, but those from the ends of the earth, those from every family and nation on earth, worshiping before you together in a new community of joy and laughter and gladness and satisfaction. Because Jesus will be our king and he has removed all threats and we live a life of joy and resurrection and love without sin. Because you have done it. You cried on the cross, it is finished, because you have done it. You say in the end, in Revelation 21, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, because you are the I Am. You are the Eternal One. And it's all true. 
This is the story my life is in. That is the future of my life. If I hold to your promise, if I hold to believing you, if I finish this race and I want to finish this race, help me finish this race because this is the story I want my life in because this is the story that is happening. It's already happening because it's already happened. You've already died. You've already risen from the dead. The prophecy came true. The prophecy will come true. It's already happening. And this is my life narrative. This is the race I want to run. This is the race I want to finish. This is the fight I want to fight. And so I pray that you would help me, Lord Jesus, to remember to stay in this story in the eyes of my heart, with the eyes of faith, to stay in this story because there is no other story that's not a dead end. Everything else is a dead end. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will satisfy my hunger, quench my thirst. Nothing else will bring awe and joy. Standing before beauty and splendor and radiance and glory forever in a new community from every nation on earth because you have done it and you're doing it. And I give praise to you. I give thanks to you. I worship you. I want to love you more and more. I want to love you most because you have done it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.